Okay, so this is uh, episode 40 of Music and More now. I can't believe we're racking these up, man. Uh, Pete's on again, of course. How are you doing, Pete? You good? Doing well, man. Doing well. Still here. <laughs> good to hear, man. That is always good to hear. Yeah, something a little bit different um, on this episode and something that both me and Pete are really excited about. Um, we've got uh, an amazing new, really exciting artist on, uh, which is Ella, who we're really excited to have on. And you know, you've been an ever-present on social media for quite a while. I've been seeing a lot of your stuff, a lot of your videos. And like, I don't know, it's kind of feel it's kind of been feeling like your your confidence has been growing all this time, sort of since I've been watching you anyway, for about 12 months, I think. And it just seems to me that you're on, you know, like a, a really incredible creative journey. And I just thought it'd be interesting to have you on to talk about that, really. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. Um some very nice, kind words to introduce myself. So thank you for that. Um, yeah, I feel like my confidence has definitely like massively like increased since last year. You know, like I only really started out properly last year and I had loads of gigs booked and I was really excited. And I mean, you've known me since I was quite young because of my dad and stuff. And I've always wanted to do music. So it felt like finally last year, like I was getting to a point where I was actually releasing music and gigging. And then obviously the world ended which yeah. wasn't convenient <laughs> for anyone mm-hmm. um, in terms of their career. Um, so with a global pandemic, you decided, hey, I'll start a music career. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I kind of thought, like, what can I do in this situation? Um, and I kind of realized quite quickly that whether you were like someone as big as, I don't know, Justin Bieber or, you know, someone who's really like quite kind of at the peak of like their pop career mm-hmm. whether you were someone as big as that or someone who was just starting out we were all literally in the same boat of trying to navigate how yep. to use social media and online gigs and things in yep. order to promote your music and grow as an artist yep. so it's kind of relaxing in a way because i was just like right well everyone's in the same boat no one knows what's going on we can't mm-hmm. go outside so what can we do um and then we ended up putting on loads of like Facebook live gigs. Um, and yeah, it was really fun, actually. Because I was really, I used to be really nervous, like when I do gigs and stuff. Like I kind of had this weird development of social anxiety, like just before I started out. So that was horrible going on stage and kind of feeling like I didn't know what I was talking about <laughs> or why I was there or not really having any, any confidence. So it did really help that just doing it all from my phone instead, mm-hmm. like hiding behind it kind of, I guess. Um, oh yeah, I, I can totally yeah. identify. I can totally identify with that. That's something that um, I've always sort of really struggled with as well. Is the, the confidence side of it, and I don't know. I guess kind of how you how you perceive yourself. I don't know, but like you say, when you're in that that live situation, I mean, you know, I've done it with the music, but I've ne- I've never done it in a sense where I'm going to get up and sing in front of people. And to be honest, uh, I still find that really daunting. And you know, I, I I think you're really inspiring in that sense because you've just thrown yourself headlong into it. And I think I think in the process of that, you've you've it seems to me anyway found like a really I don't know, like uh, almost like um, a, a just well, just a, a, a great way of communicating with people. All the what you said, almost the only way you could have communicated with people. But um, do you know what I mean? In the mm-hmm. in the pro in the process of that, uh, you seem to be taking on leaps and bounds. Do you know what I mean? In terms of what you're doing creatively, and I think that's reflected as well. If listening to your songs, and that's something we can get into as well. But you know, I just wanted to say early on that I I think you're absolutely brilliant and. I also love the fact that how your songs work when they're stripped back. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. versus, versus what you're doing um, with the more sort of produced side of things and how potent both those things are. But I think that 
for me, something that is overwhelming that comes from it all is that sort of um, authentic, do you know what I mean? Just that authentic feeling of something that's real and someone who's creating music really for, you know, what I would consider the right reasons. Do you know what I mean? Because you just, it, you just obviously just love music. Do you know what I mean? There's too many people who've just wanted to be famous. Whereas you strike me as someone who's really yeah. in touch with music, a bit like your dad. And I don't want, I don't want to bring your dad into it too much because you know, this is, this is about you and, and your talent and your ability to well paint really vivid pictures in a really short time. I think with your words and your voice, do you know what I mean? And it's interesting to me how it works in different ways, as I say, with the more produced side. And then when you, you know, songs like Alive, when you're more produced version of that versus the stripped back version, two very different energies. And I just think that the, you know, the, the authentic feelings that's running through it is really what carries your material. I think that's what makes it so strong myself. Oh yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, um, Oh, I have you. so many questions for sure. And like Adam, I'll follow your lead. We could talk about specific songs, I think, because you've got you've already started uh, not too long ago, but you got a pretty decent catalog going. Um, and and I love the diversity. Like for one, I'm, I'm totally picking up on some sort of 80s vibe, which I love. And on, on some of the faster songs, there's definitely like some of the drum. And I love the guitar that's on like on a live. It's got a really high energy vibe to it and very like attitude ish, but really good. Uh, but the lyrics are awesome. Like they're powerful and uh uh, so I have I have two clips I want to play in contrast really quick. So the because to me it's the same song it's the same lyrics but boy very different feelings I got from both. So so the first one obviously is is the produced version. I mean this is a great song. It's got a great beat. It's produced well. I I, I just sense attitude you know, all the good all the things you want to hear in a good song but there's jealousy in it right you just she's someone's talking to the girlfriend and you know it's there's emotions there and it's powerful but you don't pick up too much on the the pain behind it because it's it's hype you know <laughs> Great song, but then the same song on a slow version. Now we're outside smoking, and you're talking about your girlfriend. There's just like depth to it, and I'm listening to the lyrics like, it's painful, it's feelings. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, for me, straight away it pulls you in both versions. Especially the latter, straight away in terms of the, the subject matter, it really grabs you, you know. Yeah, I think I think like it is really funny, like comparing the two, because the second is how I write songs. So a lot of my songs really start out as like me kind of. I don't know, I, I tried to explain it to me the day, and quite a lot of the time when I'm writing, it's just kind of me playing chords. And then there's a melody that filters in. And then what tends to happen is, is this kind of weird thing where all these words keep cropping up. And it's either they'll keep cropping up when I'm writing just one song, or it might even be over like three or four songs. And you'll notice it, like probably in my music, if you went to listen through it, oh, there are certain words and phrases that kind of are in multiple songs. And it's kind of like my version of therapy if you like mm. 
is yeah. kind of that's when I'm most in touch with myself because my unconscious self is kind of coming through and it's like why why do these words keep coming up okay maybe I need to write a song about that but also mm. where's that coming from what's that about and I think it comes from like growing up when I was writing songs I was kind of listening to a lot of pop and writing a lot about things that I didn't really know about and you know if you know I could play you some really early songs where I'm just writing about boys and relationships but I'd never really been in one <laughs> um I remember this really poignant moment where my dad was like I feel like you should just write about what you know and you probably get stronger songs from that and it kind of has just filtered through everything that I do now is making sure that is this like you say is it, does this feel authentic to me and my character and what I'm going through or am I just writing this because it sounds good yeah um so I tend to try avoid that as yeah. much as possible <laughs> I was just going to say when um you know you you talk about words coming through and you you know you're thinking I best write a song all about that or feeling compelled to write a song about that can you remember in any sort of sense when that developed for you as something where you you worked out that you could turn turn these things that were weighing on your mind into you know these beautiful pieces of music do you know what I mean it was at a point where you realized that um yeah actually um I basically because I've been writing ballads and piano and me since I can remember I kind of got to a place when I was like 18 19 where I was like right okay I'm over that now I'm over that point in my life I want to write like proper music and real music it was really kind of I mean it was only a couple of years ago but it was really quite I don't know I was really rejecting something about myself from that and I was like no right I want to write really poppy songs and I want to work with like electronic producers and I went to uni and I was like I really want to just develop my sound so I started learning different instruments and bass and like you know I was interested in like synths and drum machines and and it's all really definitely still filtered through to my sound when I work in the studio and how my songs come out I think we used to have like one-to-one sessions with this tutor and everyone got like assigned a different tutor and I really like I was quite had quite a good like relationship with mine and um he was basically just like he kind of boosted my confidence I think it was a thing of confidence in those songs those types of songs it was kind of like you really need to listen to yourself and what you're making here because I don't think it should go unmissed oh yeah and then I started really kind of like writing more and more like that again but they just started like proper like I'd write like sometimes like like two or three a day it was just like I just really want to write all the time now because I've really kind of reconnected with that and then in that process found that that's kind of me and who I am yeah um and so I kind of fell back in love with it a little bit as well yeah. Interesting parallel, because uh, I know Adam has shared that as well. He's he's explained that like every good song can start with just if it has a good melody uh, and, and like good bones to it, you can make it sound like anything. It can be a pop song. It can be a heavy song. It can be all these different things. Uh, Lady Gaga did the same thing. I, I remember she's got a song called um, I'm on the Edge of Glory. And it, when I heard it as the pop song, I, did, I wasn't crazy about it. But but I, I, I learned I saw her in an interview and she played a stripped down emotional version of it that was just and then told the story about what it was and it was just super it had so much more depth and and then she shared the fact that most of her big songs are like that she she starts very raw uh you know and then she'll turn them into something else so it's interesting that you're doing the same that same process yeah, yeah. i think like you say i think it's like you said about turning a song from that if you've got that and the kind of bones you can put meat around it afterwards and you can go right okay these are my influences these are who I'm listening to at the minute I've got this me and piano how can we make it sound like a 
like it's gone through that tunnel if you know yeah. what I mean yeah yeah, yeah. um but yeah, I think I realised that and was like, okay, now I can go back to what I know. <laughs> I mean, does it does it sort of feel like storytelling to you at all? Because I mean, that's kind of how I feel as a listener straight away, um, especially kind of through your voice as well, your lyrics primarily. But it just it just feels like storytelling to me. Your songs in, in you know in 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 a really great way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like I think that's the reason why my recent single moments is kind of like I'm really quite like I'm going to hone in on that just because it is how I write and like like I said I kind of fell back in love with this way of being like I've actually got something I need to say whether or not I know I need to say it yeah and whether it's I'm telling loads of people and I want everyone to know about it or whether it's I kind of quite like to um, leave little hidden messages in my lyrics as well um you know like I mean it's not gonna be a bunch of a secret anymore but alive one of the lyrics is actually about the first time I met my boyfriend Mm -hmm. um and he had a girlfriend at the time (laughs) so you know it's like little kind of um in all my songs it's kind of these little messages and stories or they might be homages to certain events or things that have happened and it can either be for you know a group of people that I know or one person or it can just be for myself and no one knows about it Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I think there's there is definitely an element of storytelling like within that. Oh, yeah. I think it's it, it's really interesting what you say as well about it being a, a therapeutic process for you actually writing and getting these feelings out. I mean that you know that's certainly something I can identify with as well. It, you know, it just I think you can tell that and that all plays into the you can just tell instantly that it's something that's real and authentic. Do you know what I mean? Genuine emotions and so you know, is it? Do you write prime? on your own primarily or is it you know do you have someone that you bounce ideas off um or does that vary it does vary um majority of the time i do write on my own um obviously given what's happened this year i the way i kind of remember my writing process over the past year has been pretty much on my own um the recent stuff that um like my last single and then the stuff that's coming out um is was in the studio uh, so I've written the songs I came like you say with the stripped back versions and then we kind of built the song around that and I've worked with my dad quite a lot as well like on my first EP and my first single that was all working with my dad and Nicole as well um, from Eva so yeah I do like writing with other people and I do do it often and I feel like it's really nice to get different perspectives you know if you go with, to someone with this is what how I hear it, mm-hmm. and then they go, "Well, I, from what you've shown me, this is actually how I hear it." It's yeah. it's kind of like seeing how someone sees you or sees how you sound or you know your perspective, and they see how you see things, and it's it's interesting, and I, I do like to do it. Yeah, I actually heard uh, you were on a thing called Showstream, and you did four songs there, and uh, some of them that have already been out, I saw on Spotify, like Monochrome, which, by the way, I love the the production version of that is super funky, super funky, and I really like that. Um, the stripped down was just as good though, but to me, the the winner, the star on that set was the uh, the cheap red wine. Like that is, uh, I, I probably played it, no kidding, fifty times since I heard it, and. Uh, 
And that <laughs> that is like such, there's so many, pe- I could spend an, a podcast stripping just that. Like just the the way you uh, accentuate certain words on the song, the way you the way you change it every you know every there's so many things to talk about on that, but it's really 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 good. I haven't seen a production version of that, but I'll tell you this: take the one you did from Showstream and ship it, <laughs> like literally throw it on an, on an album. Done. <laughs> it doesn't need to be changed. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, yeah, it's really weird. Like you know, I kind of I haven't actually thought about that song for so long because um, I don't know. It's it was in a really kind of like uh, what's the word? Not like dark, but it was in like a. I was a very different person when I wrote that song, um, and I feel a lot brighter and a lot kind of more. I don't know. I like to be happier now and. Yeah. You know, when I perform that song, it kind of really takes me back to that exact place and that exact moment when I wrote it and what I was feeling. Yeah. yeah. So it's really like, yeah, completely forgot I even wrote that. But yeah, definitely I'll have to write that down. Do you Get think that? Do you think that lockdown in any way played into your hands? Do you know what I mean? In terms of how you've gone on to develop yourself? Definitely. Oh, 100%. I think like, just given the like I was saying at the start about how I saw it as an opportunity and I remember going back to uni and I'm on a songwriting course at uni I mean I've dropped out now but I was on a songwriting course at uni um, and everyone kind of came back and they were like we really felt that um, it had hindered their creativity and they felt like they didn't really have things that they wanted to write about and they didn't want to write about you know write about the pandemic because it felt like a little bit insensitive so everyone was kind of struggling with that Um, and I totally understand that you know like, you know, fair enough to them. But I think I completely saw it as an opportunity to be like, okay, what can I do with this? Because I don't want to stop. I don't want to like yeah. sit back and kind of, you know, mourn and like yeah. feel sorry for myself about, not saying that they felt sorry for themselves, but I just personally saw if I was going to sit back and just let things happen, mm-hmm. it would feel like I wasn't pushing myself enough and I wanted to kind of not let it stop me from doing what I wanted to do. Because I was oh, yeah. so determined and I've, I had this kind of like drive since I was tiny to do yeah. this. And it finally feels like I've got the kind of my hands on the reins a bit. And I was like, well, I'll just have to do this instead or I'll do these lives or I'll, you know, speak to these people or I'll send out emails to blogs. And, you know, I never got any responses really. But then it felt like the music industry, because of everything, was really kind of also suffering quite a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it meant that everyone kind of had to, everyone was pulled back to their roots a bit. Everyone was a bit like, right, okay, we're going to have to do some searching and we're going to have to look for people and we're going to have to do all this. And it ended up that I ended up having conversations with quite a lot of people and having more opportunities because of that. Because people were just like, we've got nothing else to do. Let's, you know, well, listen through a curated playlist, which has got five followers. Yeah, you know I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, it helped. <laughs> but I think, I think what you say, what you're saying really, I mean, there's almost an element of, you know, you've got something that separates people, I suppose, you know, the, the sort of people that look at the pandemic and think, oh, you know, I'm just going to sit and watch box sets all day for as long as it lasts. Or someone like yourself that, like you you just vocalized and said, you know, I, I wasn't going to let it get in my way effectively. Do you know what I mean? You didn't want to stop creating. So it's not like, oh, well, I can't go into college, so I can't create. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> That's just going to make no sense to someone like you because right. it wouldn't to me. Do you know what I mean? And I really like what you said about that drive that you felt from a young age to sort of 
uh, well, achieve what it's quite clear that you are achieving now. Do you know what I mean? Like you say, uh, having the reins creatively and, you know, in terms of what, you, you know, you've got, you've got some some great opportunities ahead of you and, you know, you've obviously got a really bright future because, you know, I'm not just saying it, obviously, because I think you're genuinely really, really talented and it's um, it's really, I love listening to your songs. Do you know what I mean? Um, Same, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I lo- like you said earlier, I love that song that you just came out with as well. I mean, I saw the video as well. And side note, I don't know if you knew this, Adam, but the uh, the people in the video were your gra- or her grandparents, which to me I thought yeah, was so yeah. cool. Yeah, I know. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, the video, yeah, the song is moments, and uh, the video is really cool too. You being on that that stage with the red curtain, like just visually, it looked so artistic, and uh, it was really well done. And uh, and the song itself seems super like I could hear that any on any radio station. Like, it's a really really quality song. So I, find, I also find it interesting as well that you've effectively you say you've dropped out of college now do you know what i mean you you've sort of but it's because you're doing it for real isn't it do mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's you 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 don't need to <laughs> you're not being funny you don't need to go to songwriting yeah. school anymore do you? do you know what i mean you don't need yeah, to yeah well to it, it kind school. of felt like yeah it kind of felt that like you know they were great though like don't get me wrong they were really lovely people um i just personally felt that every time I'd kind of go, I, I mean, I'd, I'd missed a lot of it. I didn't go to a lot of it. I procrastinated. I didn't do, I think I attended uni. I, the only actual lessons that I would go to were my one-to-ones with this um, this guy called Pete. He's just so cool. And I just had all the respect for him in the world. So I was like, I don't want to miss yeah. Um, those but I pretty much didn't go to any of the lessons um, and every time I went to see him he would basically kind of just be like well you're doing the right thing so but then we just have a chat about you know the world and the industry and we'd have you know it was useful in other senses but I just liked hanging out with him um, but yeah it kind of felt that like I would end up writing songs whenever I'd have lessons so I'd have a lesson and I'd be like oh I really don't want to go what should I do instead and I was kind of using songwriting as like a form of escapism from hmm. I don't know, responsibility, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I was paying nine nine grand to do that. So <laughs> yeah. it's just like, let's let's just cut cut the shit. Yeah, that, I love <laughs> that though. Yeah. I love that. I, I, I think that's really cool. Do you know what I mean? Because um because it, I mean you've you've actually signed a record deal now, haven't you? You've actually you've you know, I saw on Instagram the other day that you've actually signed a record deal, you know, that's absolutely amazing, isn't it? Yeah, I'm really buzzing about that. I think I've kind of since that's happened, because it, it's been in the works for like about I'm a not, year I'm, now. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised to be honest. I'm you know, I'm genuinely yeah. not surprised by that, you know. Not at all. Yeah. Yeah, they kind of got in contact with me a year ago and I actually, after I released Alive, I kind of had like quite a lot of um, interest from like labels and PR people and agencies and whatever. So I had all these emails back and forth with people and Zoom Zoom meetings and phone calls. And I remember like there's this one guy that rang me and he was like from New York. And I was like, whoa, like some guy from New York's ringing me. That's sick. Mm. He rang me and he was just like sat having his lunch, like not fucking listening to anything I was saying. And I was just like, what is this? Like this feels like, oh, it feels like this, this is exactly what I wanted to happen. But the only people that I'd really kind of met, I actually met um, Sally, my manager. I actually met her for a coffee and we had just like a genuine conversation and they were the only people I'd spoken to that seemed like actual fans, if you know what I mean. And they seemed like actually invested in the music and they seemed like they were up for working with me for the sake of helping me out rather than like for money or for the, you know, just because it'll look good to their boss or whatever. It was just kind of like, you know, this feels like a genuine 
this could be a good relationship. Yeah. yeah. And we started, uh, I started in the studio in, I think like the third lockdown, maybe. Right. It was around winter. So December, January, February time into April. Hmm. Um, and I went to Greenmount Studios in Leeds and worked with two lovely blokes called Lee and Rob. And they basically just took the songs that I brought in and helped me kind of completely get the sound that I actually wanted mm, yeah. from them. If you know what I mean, without yeah, yeah. knowing what that sound was, I kind of was listening to them. And I, I remember like coming out of those sessions and they'd sent me like the the mixes. And I remember like especially moments especially was like a big one because I was just like, this is really, really, this is actually what I want to sound like. And it feels like that's actually finally kind of, I was kind of getting there with, you know, the last EP. Mm. Um, but I think I was a, just... I found a lot more maturity in my music this year um, and they really kind of, yeah, I remember like Moments was a big one for me. I remember like just having a, a moment in my car, yeah. like listening to it and I was just like, I feel, I'm actually dead proud of this. Like I'm oh, yeah. just with it. It has a very um, big sound. Yeah, yeah. I think it's that last bit. It's the bit kind of, I remember Lee saying to me in the studio, it's like, it just needs, because I've just kept singing like two choruses at the end so there's a, there's a chorus and there was just another chorus and it was like it just needs this bit like it needs you to just kind of like throw everything at it like it feels like you kind of want to say something and you're holding back a bit and I was like right okay and he was like take from that what you will I'm gonna go have a sandwich and I'm gonna go mix <laughs> some other stuff and you just kind of like sit there so I was like fuck um but then like I just kind of literally just sat down and just wrote something without even thinking. I was like, right, let me try this. And they were like, all right. And then that ending, that outro bit, mm. just came out of nowhere. And it's like my favorite bit now. Oh, wow. I'm glad he did that. <laughs> Thankfully. <That's> a... <laughs> He's not sure what he did, but it worked. He was like, uh, do what you want with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And hey, it worked yeah, because now yeah. you're on the Music and More podcast. So congratulations, you have arrived. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, well, thanks. Um, so I mean, it, did your dad um, did your dad sort of help you in terms of directing you in how to deal with all the interest? I'm not talking about creatively as such. I just mean in terms of offering you advice on on the industry in general. I presume it will have done. Do you know what I mean? Because you know, knowing with his knowledge as well. Yeah, I think like. It was less like specific at the time. I think because this is something I've genuinely always wanted to do mm-hmm. from pretty much since I can remember. And I've always kind of been like, Dad, can we do some recording? And can we do this? And when can I, you know, put my songs out? And when can I be a musician? And it kind of felt like I'd go up to my mom and dad like, is it time yet? Can I do it now? And they'd be like, no, not yet, you know. Are we there yet? <laughs> a bit young. I want to be a star too. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Uh, it's like you know I want to get up on stage why can't I do that so I think yeah and growing up it was kind of I was just brought up with this kind of really solid advice of like you know this is it is hard work it is a lot of work that we're not we're going to be very black and white of you about it you know you're going to have people try shit on you you're going to have this you're going to have people say this or people that you know so I think just growing up with that, I've always been pretty savvy then when it came to them conversations with people. I can kind of see through, you know, when someone's just really good at talking rather than actually saying anything, they just oh, kind yeah. of talk and then you come away feeling like, mm-hmm. where was the actual like juice of what they were saying? Like they just spoke for half an hour and I just sat there like, yeah, yeah, but not actually knowing what they were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I've become from that pretty wise to it. And so, yeah, I think... I took my dad to meet them actually before I signed anything. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because they're actually my managers as well. So they're my uh, label, but also they manage me. Um, And he just came away and was like, yeah, you're right. They sound, they're really nice people and they seem like they genuinely just, you know, want to be as organic as possible with you and your music. Exactly, which is the most important. (laughs) Exactly, that is without doubt the most important thing. Um, And in in my opinion as well, you should always go with with people where you feel that genuine passion from them, where you know that um, you're not just a a statistic to them or, you know, how many units can you sell, but when it's people who you can tell are genuinely invested in, in what you're creating and want to help you see that through to, you know, to a greater fruition, it's worth its weight in gold having those kind of people on board. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think as well, like with like, just like in terms of successful artists though, like the most successful artists are people who have had people behind them, you know, bar a few, I guess, but you know, most of the time, the best artists are people who have, I mean, some of my favorite bands have got teams around them that they've been working with since day one that are actually yeah. might be friends from school or, you know, their managers actually a mate from work that they've, they were used to work in a bar with when they were like, do you know what I mean? It's oh, kind yeah, of but- like the, the most kind of authentic and organic you know, relationships you have with people who are in also industry heads is kind of, that's yeah. the best way to go about it, to be honest. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious how, uh, I'm curious. I know you had a pretty, uh, pretty strong live streaming presence. I'm curious, uh, how that started and, and how much of a role that took into, uh, you actually, you know, growing and getting signed ultimately. I'd love to hear more about your, how you got into that live streaming. Um, so basically, um, my dad and Nicole, his girlfriend are in a band called Eva and they basically started doing it. And then I was like, Oh, there's this oh, there's this guy. Uh, it's called Alex Harris, and he does this blog called Gigman. They've got a Facebook page. They do Facebook lives, and uh, they did one with Eva. And from that, Eva started doing live streams. And then he asked me to do one because I'd done a live stream with them. I don't know if I sang a cover with them or something. And he was like, "Oh, do you mind doing a, a live stream for us?" Um, and after that, I was just like, "This is actually." really good because I really struggle performing not when I'm actually doing the performance but it was the bit in the middle like the talking the the kind of patter that you have and the banter it's like Mm -hmm. I don't know how to do that on stage that really freaked me out um because it's kind of like this element of like you have to make everyone laugh like a little bit or say something that gets everyone excited and I was like right that's too much pressure (laughs) um but it really helped with that I think you know because you can see what everyone's saying you can reply to people's comments you know and then we started this whole thing of where um you get people to but basically you put your paypal link in and you're like oh if you want to buy us a drink you know everyone's struggling at the minute this is literally the only way we're making money if you want to send us a drink that's fine and before you know it we were making like you know quite a fair bit of money just Mm. from singing in a room basically for an hour or two um Mm. And yeah, and then, you know, I think that made my confidence grow and it made me want to release more music and I was rehearsing more and in the studio more. And it also meant that me and Eva were working really closely together um, to kind of find more ways of growing as artists. And it was like, oh, Oh, I found this cool thing. I'll mention your name to them because I'm going to do that this week. I'm going to do this live stream. If you want to jump on, I'll, I'll send them your email. And it was kind of like that back and forth cross promotion yeah. Um, yeah and then it meant we were writing a lot more yeah it was great it was a really fun experience despite everything that was going on it mm. kind of met brought us all closer as well um but also it just meant that 
you know, we were all laughing really because we were making music and yeah, yeah, having a yeah. laugh and having a drink on a weekend with everyone and, you know, chatting to people that we'd not spoken to for ages. I had people from my old school, like, come in the comments sometimes. I was like, whoa, I yeah. didn't even think I'd ever ever hear from you again and now you're here watching me I'm sing so, a really sad song on Facebook. I'm, so. sure you'll, uh, I'm sure you'll have a lot more of that, to be honest. I'm sure oh, yeah. you will. Really Come out of the woodwork, right? Yeah, they will. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You owe me money. <laughs> <laughs> So what you know? What are the what are your next steps? Then do you know what I mean? What what sort of what's next on the agenda for you immediately? Um, I think for me personally, it's to obviously try and navigate getting gigs and doing gigs. Um, you know, working my label is um like a sister company to Future Sound. So I'm not really I'm not going to struggle on that front. I do have that privilege, but also there are a lot of gigs that are you know have been postponed for two years that are now. Yeah. having to happen and venues are really yeah. booked up so i think gigs is one thing i'm putting together a band um i've made the decision actually that i would like i'd prefer um either an all-female or non-binary band behind me um just because i don't it's a bit selfish but i don't want to be labeled as like a female fronted band mm. yeah you know i don't okay. want i don't want that label like i'm i'm not about that i don't believe yeah in you, you don't um, want to be pigeonholed so i think just that. to have all yeah and i think as well um just you know as much as there are a lot of women present in the music industry i think opportunities aren't as um what's the word they don't come as often for women yeah. i don't think so i think you know because i got loads of people i put a message out on facebook and i got loads of people coming back and being like yeah we're up for this you know we're already in like two other bands but you know we're totally up for doing this we'll make time we'll do this we'll do that and it's kind of like just nice to kind of give a platform to other women as well and mm-hmm. um, to do music and enjoy music because is that i mean we'd studied it quite a lot of uni and it was actually one of the only things i really engaged with right, <laughs> from the right. course it's about like yeah, gender yeah. and gender and music and uh i did an essays and stuff on it um and it's quite interesting because you don't really notice it as much because women are pretty prominent in the music industry now but oh, yeah there's a lot that goes on that can just be the, the, the subtle comment or you know I think uh, one of the lasses from Heim was talking I can't remember which one it was um, um, but she was talking about how um, she'd go to guitar shops and they'd turn like the you know the guys that own the guitar shops would start being like oh you know there's just this really sexist kind of undertone yeah. under it all you know it'd be like oh what you know what about that pink one over there it's like, Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, Are you buying so yeah, this for your I've boyfriend? Little, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Yeah. Um, you know what? Yeah, that that so happens in that, all uh, industries, by the way. I mean, like I work in IT and it's the same thing because there yeah. are some brilliant women coders that write code, you know, and it's and they'll go on Twitter and be like, oh, I'm working on this thing and this very highly technical thing and they'll put it out there. And then all of a sudden the comments will just be trolls and guys that are trying to DM the girl or telling her like, you know, basically, you know, throwing derogatory comments based on the fact that this is someone who's coding that just happens to be of a different gender, which to me is mm. ridiculous. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it, yeah. It, it, is, it is absolutely yeah, ridiculous. Definitely. It is absolutely, absolutely ridiculous, as you say, but I suppose that's one of the strengths about having you know, the platform that you, you know, you have and that you're going to go on to have really is that, you know, in whatever subtle way you choose, you can, you can make points, can't you? Do you know what I mean? Because it, it, it does give you that point. Yeah, and I, I think it is important to kind of like, for me anyway, it's important for me to kind of, without saying things that I don't know a lot about, you know, I try to only ever talk about issues that I should talk about and that yeah. I am 
you know knowledgeable about I think as a living as a woman I'm you know can speak about that experience at least um but yeah I think just to kind of slyly be like here's me and all my all my ladies yeah. rock out and yeah. you know if you know if, if that's not for you then oh, there's a door kind of thing um, well, but yeah so anyway I like that. So I've got, uh, got I love, that band I love that. I think that, you know, um, having, having the confidence in what you want to do is incredibly important because at the end of the day, as you said yourself, you are the one that has to drive this. Do you know what I mean? It, you know, I, I remember at, at sort of times when we were quite low creatively, you, you, you know, you kind of look to other people to save you. And there is a sobering point where you, mm. it's sobering and empowering at the same time because there is that point where you think nothing happens here unless I make it happen. You know what I mean? In whatever sort of yeah guys that may be. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's back to that whole thing of authenticity as well. You kind of yeah. it's without trying without quoting, you know, like Love Island or whatever. It's kind of staying <laughs> true to who you are and yourself, and yeah, yeah. you know, um, making sure that you're not doing anything for anyone. I do find it interesting as well, though, that you say, um, you know, in terms of navigating getting yourself out there at the moment. I mean, other than on socials, but in terms of actually booking gigs and things like that, is that is that a byproduct going forward of the pandemic that it is actually logistically, technically very hard to, to get yourself booked in anywhere? Is yeah. that okay? Yeah. Yeah. Basically like a lot of venues now, um, either are fully booked uh, because people have jumped as soon as they opened up or there are gigs that have been postponed. And obviously because no one had any money companies were running out of money it was like we can't refund you the tickets because we've spent the money but <laughs> yeah. you can keep your ticket and we will have the show another time so there's all those shows kind of that are you know booked up and stuff but i do actually have a gig i have a gig um i'm playing live at leeds nice um in october i think it's the sun the sunday of the it's like the closing party um which i'm really excited about so i'm gonna have to start rehearsing <laughs> Um, yeah, I actually saw yeah. that on your website, which, by yeah, the way, is allure.biz, E-L-L-U-R.biz. So you can get on there and check dates. I think you can even get T-shirts there too, right? Yeah, yeah. I I, uh, I had some T-shirts designed and then um, bought them all with my own money. Nice. <laughs> um, and then sold, like I think, like 10 or 15 of them. And I think f- at least seven of them are still in my wardrobe and I've just not like posted them out because they were just to like friends and I was like I'll just give you it when I see you and that's been like a year um <laughs> but yeah I want one I'm gonna buy one <laughs> well I suppose something yeah, else that we haven't, got- we haven't we, we haven't actually addressed is um what you know what what you grew up listening to I mean I, I can imagine what you grew up listening to really knowing your dad but you know I'd love to hear what you know what were the artists or singers that you know made you decide this is what you want to do and have you ever heard of a band called The Music? <laughs> I have, really good. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's really weird. Like, I've never actually kind of talked about the people that made me kind of do what I want to do. I've always kind of like, oh, this is who I'm listening to at the minute. Or, you know, my mum and dad's music taste definitely influenced things. Like, I'm a massive Joy Division fan, yeah. New Order, um, U2, Kings of Leon, The Killers, all that. Um, but then actually it's really funny Lady Gaga 
Um, she's a massive, massive inspiration. I used to really look up to her. Um, mm. I saw you did a Mazzy yes. Star cover as well. Fucking love Mazzy yeah, Star. Yeah, yeah, Mazzy Star, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, as well. Uh, Miley Cyrus, weirdly. Right. She was on like Disney Channel back then. Um, <laughs> yeah. And she was doing like Hannah Montana and stuff. And uh, obviously, kind of weird parallel that I probably saw in her and looked up to her because her, her dad... And then she was like a Disney kid and her dad was, you know, in a band and was yeah. famous for being in a band. And then she wanted to be in a band. So I don't know. Weird. I've never actually mm. like thought about that, but there is a very weird parallel between, you know, kind of mm-hmm. me and her in terms of I wanted to do this and she was doing it. Um, so she was a big influence. I went to see her live and it's just mental. I think she was like 17 at the time and she went on like a fucking motorbike on wires <laughs> <laughs> like around a fucking Manchester arena, like wow. singing, just like not strapped on or anything. She might have had like a seatbelt on or something. She was just on this motorbike, like singing her heart out, but like going around the Manchester arena, like on like wires, you know, like invisible wire. Yeah, yeah. I just sat there like, That's <laughs> um, she, she didn't come in like a wrecking ball. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's just before that bit, that <laughs> bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, uh, she was a massive influence, definitely. Um, and then kind of nowadays, it's just going to gigs, any gigs, literally any gig that I've seen myself at the, over the past couple of years. Oh. I can think a band are absolutely shy and then I go and watch them live and I'm like, oh my God, these are, these are amazing. Mm. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I was really yeah. into, um, I was really into uh, like the Wombats and like indie bands and stuff. But I felt like I was kind of just liking them because it was cool to like them oh, when okay. I was at school. Mm. And then I actually went to see them live and uh, it was like, whoa, these these are actually, you know, really good at what they do. No mm. wonder they're so successful. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> um, but I'd kind of go to gigs and just get this thing. <laughs> I'd just get this thing where I'd be like looking up at this person and be like, this is this is what I want to do. This is genuinely amazing. I think one of the best gigs I've ever been to uh, was Kurt Vile. He played in Manchester at Albert Hall and Albert Hall is like one of my favourite venues anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm a massive war on drugs fan. Um, but me it's too. actually my, me and my boyfriend that are just really into uh, Kurt Vile and he did an album with Courtney Barnett um, and that was just great and I just loved that and I was, I was interested to see what it'd be like live but we managed to get we were the first in. Like, we don't know how we managed it. I think we just got, like, an early train. We were literally the first in. We just stood right where he was going to be. And the whole night, it was just... It felt like he was just singing to us. And I was just, like, in complete awe. I was like, right, okay. I want to be him doing that with his big, long, curly hair. Yeah, yeah, Like, looking yeah. at people in the audience and making you- my day. Like, it absolutely made my day. I was like, I want to do, do that. Yeah. Did you never get that... Did you never get that feeling with your dad then? Because, I mean, I'm I mean, interested sort of growing up, being around all that and going to shows and seeing your dad on stage I mean was that ever sort of mundane for you or was it always feeding an excitement of one day doing that it was never it was never mundane I think when I was really young it was kind of like oh this is what everyone's dad does like you know I didn't really know what it meant or what it was it was just kind of <laughs> it was just kind of like an excuse to be backstage at festivals and going into pe- famous people's like dressing rooms and mm-hmm. I used to do all that I remember my mum told me this story once I walked into Joss Stone's dressing room I just sat with her all day and uh, she was wearing she was going to wear these big like, knee high boots like high heeled boots and I was just walking around I was like four walking around with them on and my mum was like I was like what are you doing <laughs> like please stop and I was just like no it's fine like we're mates like she's my friend yeah, yeah. like she doesn't care um <laughs> 
so yeah but I definitely think with like watching my dad and stuff there's always when I got older kind of realized I think it's more watching the fans when I watch my dad and like seeing yeah, yeah. How seeing the effect that he has on them. respond yeah and I think the embrace have such a kind of loyal fan base mm. and their fan base is very much like you know they know all the words they've been to all the oh, secret yeah. gigs and those are done, ballads that they you know, sing watched on, every yeah. video and they've got every piece of merch yeah and it's kind of just watching people like really really connect with music and you can just see like you know they've grown up listening to it oh yeah is he is your dad the one playing the guitar on a live is that his guitar in there because i know he did it on the live stream i didn't know if he was also in in, in the studio yeah it's all i mean a live monochrome um, I don't know what we are. And Reflection, actually. Um, they're all collaboratively, either me and my dad nice. playing. Um, I kind of, when we were writing the last EP, when we were writing Monochrome and I don't know what we are and Alive, I really started dabbling with like, I couldn't really play guitar or bass. But I'd like pick up a bass and I'd start like playing like a riff. Mm. And then my dad would come in and I'd be like, I really can't do it. I'm trying to record it. And I'd be like, no, I want to do it. I want to be the one that plays this bit. And then my dad would come in and just like pick up a guitar and like show me the simplest way of doing it. And be like, do you want me to just, and I'm like, yeah, and you just, you just do it. <laughs> Go on, just have it. It's fine. <laughs> they make it look easy, right? Adam's the same way. He plays guitar. I watched him play guitar and I'm like, oh my goodness, I couldn't even play Mary Had a Little Lamb and he's over there like just... <laughs> <laughs> Beethoven. Yeah. Yeah, I often I often just like when I'm... Because I've started writing on guitar now because I really just like how it sounds. It's a different kind of... Mm-hmm. I don't know, a different atmosphere... Well, I mean, um, it's amazing, isn't it? How you can, <laughs> you can spend a certain amount of time writing on piano or, or whatever, you know, bloody hell, steel drums if you want, whatever. But the second you move to a different <laughs> to a different way of writing, you know, the same notes, the same chords, just on a different instrument, you know, it's like this is it's a completely different world. I find. Yeah, definitely. I've really started writing on acoustics. I got an acoustic for Christmas. Um, so I really kind of this year, like, started writing um, with an acoustic guitar. And I found that, like, I kind of just play the same chords, but in different orders and mm. in different ways and use different strumming patterns to make it not sound like the same song. Mm. Um but I think there's something really quite intimate about there's, there's there's with piano and vocal and with guitar and vocal there are two they're two very different um, versions of me and I think like I kind of really have this sense of like there's this real sadness I think when you see someone on stage just with a guitar singing a really sad song and proper going for it and proper like you know and it's there's still there's a lot more rhythm to it and it's a little bit more upbeat than a piano but I think. I don't know. I don't know if it's just because, you know, I'll see my dad doing a solo and he'll be doing like a vocal solo and playing guitar on his own. Um, you know, like in Refugees, for example, that song like gets me every time whenever I watch it. Because it's just like, there's just this real emotion from that person. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started trying to write on guitar, but my hands are tiny. So um, I just ch- I just end up tuning it and detuning it and then hoping that I remember what the tuning was. Writing <laughs> 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 that way. <laughs> I think when you're, I think when you're writing with genuine emotion, though, and and you're writing songs that come from a real place, it fucking don't matter what chords they are. Do you know what I mean? It, 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 
It's the emotion. Yeah. That come, it's the emotion that comes through that you you pick up on. And I was always hamstrung by that. And we were as a band. Sometimes we'd be like, "Well, we've got this idea," but even though it sounds totally different, that the root chords are the same as that other one, and everyone's yeah. like, "Oh shit!" Well, we can't use it then. And we we yeah. we we turned away so much music because of that. When it doesn't, it don't. It don't matter. It, it really doesn't matter. Do you know what I mean? Unless no. you want to, you know, you can you can make great records on three chords. Do you know what I mean? And there's oh, plenty yeah. of bands out there approve that. Mm. It's about the the emotion that you're conveying through the song. Personally, I feel. Yeah, definitely. And like, I think it's hard to tell as well. You never really listen to. You could listen to a whole album, and if it's a good album and there's they're good songs, and then someone must be like, oh, did you know the whole time they use the same chord progression in every single song. <laughs> You wouldn't you wouldn't notice yeah. because you're not listening to that. Yeah, yeah. Like there's, there's obviously more layers, it, right? You know yeah. What I mean? mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So yeah, um, it's been absolutely wonderful to hear about your journey, and it's going to be really great to to see the music that you you know that you've already made and the stuff that you're going to make as well. And you know, we'll link all your stuff in the show notes as well, so the people who've listened to this, because I, I guarantee you, when when people hear the bits where we've um, played your track underneath, I guarantee you that people are going to be like, "Well, what's that, and where can I listen to it?" Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll be sure to put um, those details in the show notes. But uh, and also, um, you know, anything where you're going to be playing live or anything like that. If you know, keep us up to date with things like that. You did say you've got a gig booked. Where was that again? Sorry, it's at the wardrobe in Leeds, but it's uh, live at Leeds, so it's oh. like the closing party for that. I think it's around the fifteenth or the seventeenth. I'm really bad with getting numbers mixed up. Oh, me too. Um, but it's in October, so if people <laughs> if people want to come watch me at that, that'd be really cool because I'll actually be with a band for the first time ever. So I think oh, really? First time with a band? That'll be an interesting... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that'll be interesting because I've done it with my dad like pretty much every other time So mm, yeah. on my, or on my own. So we'll see. I'm excited about it though. But yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. No, no, no. I was going to say, so yeah, you know, anyone who wants to to catch Ella in October at the wardrobe and we'll keep people updated on that as well. But uh, thank you very much for coming for, for coming on. Um, you know, obviously two genuine fans and it's been a uh, uh, privilege to talk to you. So yeah, thank you very much. And I just wanted to say congratulations well, on getting me. signed and congratulations on making it on the number one musical podcast called Music Amore. So <laughs> good job on that. And when you get really big... <laughs> Don't forget about us and come back on when you get really famous. Yeah, yeah. And also, uh, <laughs> you'll, have to, you'll have to come to um, Temple Newsom if you're if you're about when uh, our reunion show is. Come down to Temple Newsom. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there. That'll be cool. <laughs> Lovely. So thank you to Ella. Thank you to, to Pete Fletcher as usual. And yeah, thank you to everyone for listening. Nice one. Bye. Sorry about that, by the way. My computer just decided to just switch itself off. No, no fucking. But hey, hey, isn't that isn't that the first time that's ever happened? That's what I said. I said that is definitely the first.
I, think I was wondering why, because you like froze for a while, but you were still there. And I was like, that's a strange <laughs> face he's making for a really long time. <laughs> I thought he was just like really listening. Captivating. Oh, oh, like, oh, that's, I, I tell you what, we did, we did one with Tim Burgess and <laughs> he'd frozen and I yeah. didn't realize. And I was talking and like, I was looking at Tim Burgess and he was like, really, he was really <laughs> staring at the fucking camera anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and I started, I started to think, what the fuck have I said here? And like, I've offended him. I, I started, yeah, exactly. I started trying to change my point because it was like giving me these death eyes. And then all of a sudden, he, he, his feed went totally. And I just went, oh, thank fucking God. I thought he was fucking like really pissed off. Of me. <laughs> oh, that was so funny. <laughs> fucking hell.